The Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are both first placed in their respective divisions, but the Bucs are doing it with a losing record while the Seattle Seahawks have been led to a 6-3 and three start by Geno Smith. You wouldn't have believed me if I told you this 10 weeks ago, but that is the truth we're living today. And today, Corbin Smith and I break down this weekend's matchup between the Seahawks and Bucks on a crossover Thursday episode right here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Bucks and the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we thank you for making us your first listen or first view of the day. I'm David Harrison of Bucks Game Day. And sitting next to me, if you're watching us and talking next to me, if you're listening to us, is Car- Corbin Smith. Sorry, Corbin Smith of all Seahawks. Both sites, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation family of sites. And of course, you can find Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. And you can find me at DHarrison82. This crossover Thursday episode is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is fun, easy to play, and there's no competing against know-it-all fantasy pros. It's just you versus the projections. Pick two to five players, predict how they'll perform against their projections, and you're all set. Get it right and win up to 10 times your money per entry. We love Prize Picks, and you will too. First-time users, you get a 100% deposit match using the promo code Locked On Corbin. For the National Football League, the biggest story of this matchup is the first regular season game, first official game held in Germany for the NFL and just part of their kind of overseas expansion. We've seen games uh, in, in a multitude of countries, but regular season is a little bit of a newer thing. Uh, just spoke to Mike Allstott, actually, uh, former former Tampa Bay Buccaneers player, legend of, of the team, and he recalled playing a preseason game in Japan. But this is regular season. The win or loss counts. It's not a vacation. It is a business trip. Uh, But for the Seahawks, what is the biggest storyline coming into this matchup? Well, David, it continues to be number seven under center. Geno Smith just continues week in, week out to play like a top five quarterback. And at this point, I guess it's not as surprising to me because we're nine games into the season. This is a big enough sample size now that you feel like this is legitimate. This is not fluky. This guy had a ton of talent coming out of West Virginia. He was a second-round pick for a reason. He put up huge numbers at West Virginia, but it just didn't work out with the New York Jets, and really that's a chronic thing for Jets quarterbacks. Things just don't work sure. out for high draft picks there. Zach Wilson maybe can be the one that bucks that trend, but Geno then spent the last seven years in quarterback purgatory as a backup for three different teams, including for the yeah. Seahawks, and now he gets his opportunity in. He has just ran with it. He is the perfect fit for Shane Waldron's offense. He's attacking the middle of the field. He's distributing the football to his bevy of receivers and tight ends. I'm going to mention the tight ends a lot because I don't know there's a better trio of tight ends in the NFL right now than what the Seahawks are putting out there on Sundays with Will Disley, Noah Fan, and Kobe Parkinson. But Geno Smith has been what has made this offense hum with his efficiency, completing over 73% of his passes and distributing it to everybody. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett might not have the gaudiest numbers of their career, but they're being mm-hmm. really efficient. They're getting the ball to their tight ends, their secondary receivers, their running backs are getting involved. And that has made this a highly efficient, potent machine. And 
that's the big reason why, along with an improved defense over the last four weeks, they're six and three and in the driver's seat in the NFC West. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, look, uh, a lot of people, right? We've all heard it probably by now. A lot of people wrote him off, but he didn't write back and he's still not writing back, although he does like to write back some media members when he thinks that they're saying <laughs> some, some not so nice things about him. Um, he's not alone. He's not the only guy out there doing it. But Gino, Corbin saying nice things. So maybe write back to him and, and say you appreciate the nice things. Because look, they're, they're, they're factual and they're true. And whether anybody saw it coming or not, you know, Gino is out there putting on a show uh, and giving hope to backup quarterbacks everywhere that, look, your time can come. Just, just keep, keep going. Uh, for the Buccaneers offense, they're hoping that their time is coming as well. And, and granted, Tom Brady has had several years of of it being his time. But this season, the Buccaneers offense just cannot get it together. And that's the biggest story, I think, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into this matchup is whether or not we saw this offense wake up at the end of that Rams game. So the Bucs scored just six points on their first 10 possessions uh, against the Los Angeles Rams last weekend, scored 10 in the final three to come back and get a last second win, a nine seconds left on the clock uh, victory over the Rams. And they had the, so obviously 10 points, touchdown and a field goal. And the ball, they had the ball in goal to go on the drive that they did not score points. So three, their last three drives all ended up in scoring position after scoring just six points in their first 10. So what changed in those last three drives? Well, the offense went more up-tempo. And as everybody has kind of already pointed out, it looked like Tom Brady was directing the play calling a little bit more than maybe offensive coordinator Byron left, which was now listen, we all, if you, if you know about the way the NFL operates, you know that even in no huddle during certain parts of the play clock, the offense coordinator quarterback can be in conversation. So while Tom is out there running things and calling plays as, as it appears on camera, Byron may be in his earpiece and I can't imagine Byron left, which is standing there observing Tom Brady, like a paid ticket holder. So I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Byron, but it sure looked like that more up-tempo offense is really what got them going towards the end of that game. So now everybody's wondering, is that what go- is that going to be the version of the Bucks' offense that the Seahawks see is a more up-tempo kind of playing off the hip, Tom Brady kind of sensing things as he goes through and calling them as he sees fit? Because if they, if they do, that's not something the Seahawks are going to have a lot of tape on to get ready for. But the flip side of that, Corbin, the Rams were also playing pretty soft. Right, which teams have with the lead typically tend to do towards the later part of the game because they're trying to keep everything in front of them, keep the clock running, maybe see if they can't get that clock to expire before the opponent gets enough points uh, to to win the game. Didn't work out for the Rams, but to me, that's the biggest question: is, is are we going to see the the traditional Buccaneers offense that really hasn't done a whole lot leading up to that point, or are we going to see the more up tempo last three series of the game against Los Angeles uh, Bucks offense that we saw just last week? Yeah, and that's really interesting that you mentioned that because the Seahawks, two of their past four games have been against the Cardinals, who the main thing they try to do offensively is run up-tempo. Now, granted, they have been terrible at it this year. There's a reason that they're 3-6 and now in the season. They have not been able to consistently run that style of offense. Tom Brady is on another level compared to Kyler Murray. Murray's a talented player, but doesn't have near the resume, obviously, and there's questions about coaching there. So the Seahawks, you know, from that perspective, they've had plenty of experience playing teams that have gone up-tempo against them, and they've done it fairly well, especially the last four games where they have been much more aggressive defensively. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're blitzing more because that's not what's happening, but their defensive linemen are one-gapping now instead of doing a bunch of read-and-react, two-gapping, and that was a better fit for the players that they have. They have a lot of really athletic defensive tackles that are better as penetrators than read and react players. That is letting the entire rest of the defense play more aggressive. And 
They're giving up less than 13 points per game on defense the last four games. Yeah. They've won all four of those games. So really going into aggressive mode and playing more of an aggressive style from the front to the back has really paid dividends. Now the question is, are we going to be able to play like that against somebody like Tom Brady that obviously has seen everything in his right. long, illustrious NFL career? Yeah, I mean, look, you talk about playing aggressive. I mean, me, I've always had the mindset. I'd rather go down fighting than go going down backing up and backpedaling. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of the way that I like to do things. Raheem Morris, apparently, and Sean McVay have a different idea of how to play late game defense. But it is what it is. You mentioned the Seahawks tight ends and, and weapons uh, that Geno Smith has been having help him. I also wonder if that up-tempo pace kind of helped those those Buccaneers weapons and receivers kind of have Tom Brady's back a little bit better because early in the game, you had some uncharacteristic drops that really didn't help out their quarterback and fortunately for me Corbin I know you're a recent newlywed so welcome to the club I have been married for quite a while with my 20th wedding anniversary just six months away I'm super happy that Blue Nile has my back the way the Seahawks tight ends have had Geno Smith's back because I got to make sure I get exactly what I need to show my wife how grateful I am for her putting up with my crap for two decades so far NFL teams these days Corbin can barely commit to a crappy head coach situation for two years, but my wife is holding on to this thing harder than Dan Snyder clutching onto his owner's club ID card. More on that coming Thursday. Keep your eyes out for that. Uh, and Blue Nile can help you make your celebration or proposal all the more memorable as well. They have a large selection of independently graded diamonds priced significantly below traditional retailers and offer easy to use online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting. If none of those words made any sense to you, then they also have jewelry experts available 24-7 via phone or chat to help you get exactly what you need. So shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee because all Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free in discreet packaging. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com. Use the code Locked On to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com. Code Locked On. To save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more, BlueNile.com, code locked on. All right, guys, time to get into the key matchups as the Seahawks travel to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who travel to host them in Munich, Germany, a historic event for the National Football League. We're going to continue to share our intel for that upcoming contest. Also, make sure while we're doing that, you're also checking out Locked On Sports today. Go beyond the scoreboard, behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Locked On can provide. Available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Corbin, for the Seattle Seahawks, you mentioned those tight ends. Is this where they come back up? Is that the key matchup? Is those tight ends versus this Buccaneers defense? Or do you have something else in mind for Geno and uh, Seattle? I'm going to go away from the skill positions because going into this game, my biggest concern, both figuratively and literally, is trying to block Vita Vea in the middle. And Austin Blythe has been a solid upgraded center for Seattle over former starter Ethan Posick. I think he's done a really nice job. The communication has really been upped compared to previous seasons. They've got two right guards that are rotating in that both are starter caliber players. And Damian Lewis is playing some of the best football of his career the last couple of weeks. So that interior line has been playing much better, but they seem to have more trouble with bigger bodied defensive tackles that are also athletic and disruptive. And Vita Vea checks off every single one of those boxes, not just as a run stuffer. He's leading the Buccaneers with six and a half sacks. And so I think that that is a concern for the Seahawks team. Geno Smith has been able to get the football out fairly quickly. He's done a good job of navigating the pocket. 
But if there has been one thing that has been a problem occasionally, it has been interior pressure. And when you're dealing with a player like Vita Vea in the middle who can be a game wrecker by himself, that is certainly concerning. It doesn't matter if you've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the trio of tight ends. I would think that those tight ends would come in handy more if you're trying to get rid of the football quicker. And they're probably going to have to do that because of Vita Vea in the middle. Him going against Austin Blythe or against those guards, he's going to have some advantages there, even as well as Seattle's playing in the interior. So they can't let Vita Vea take over this football game. And obviously the Buccaneers have a few other guys in the middle that can get the job done. But he is the one that the Seahawks absolutely cannot – just they can't let him destroy their game plan. And if the front line is not able to keep him out of the backfield to let Ken Walker III do his thing – at running back to give Geno Smith time to throw the football, then they're going to have a tough time keeping the traction they've had most of the season. They've been a pretty potent offense most of the year, but that would be the way to ground this offense if the interior pressure proves to be too much and they aren't able to do anything passing or running the football. Yeah, Villanueva has definitely come on this season. There was actually a point in the season where people were a little disappointed in him. And coming into the year, uh, you know, the Bucks had kind of said they needed to get a better organic pass rush from their down linemen and not rely on the blitzes and the outside linebackers coming off the edge as much as they had in the past. And Vito was obviously expected to be a pretty big part of that, but didn't happen quite as 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 much as they wanted to early on. But yeah, lately he has certainly. Uh, been impactful, especially against the Los Angeles Rams. And then you talk about the other pass rushers, the trickle-down effect, Joe Tryon Shoinka getting better matchups as teams uh, kind of overcommit to to stop Vita. So even with Shaquille Barrett out, obviously that Bucks pass rush is not going to be as potent, but still proving to be uh, as effective as they need to be, um, as has the whole Buccaneers defense. And honestly, Corbin, this is going to make some people unhappy because that's my key matchup is the Bucks defense versus the Seahawks offense. And I'm going the whole unit. And I know that's not very specific. We like to get specific on here. But look, more what I'm building off of is the main storyline, right? Because what happens, NFL fans, you've been watching this game for a very long time. What happens when a struggling offense finally gets it together? Sometimes it's within a game and it's a drive or two. Sometimes it's in a season. When the offense finally gets clicking, guys, what happens? The defense falls apart, right? And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buccaneers fans out there have already seen this happen this year. Uh, the Buccaneers scored the most points they scored all season against Kansas City Chiefs. Well, Buccaneers defense also gave up the most points they've given up that season or this season, and the Kansas City Chiefs still came away with the win. So I'm worried that, you know, if we have seen a kind of an awakening from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense, like Mike Allstott asserts that we probably have, are we also going to see the the one-off, and I guess it would be a two-off for this season, egg from the Buccaneers defense and it's not just because the Bucks defense because Corbin you know the Seahawks fans know this but Bucks fans might be surprised to find out the Seattle is top 10 in rushing yards passing yards total yards per play has one of the lowest interception percentages as an offense is top five on third down and is scoring touchdowns at an 85 percent clip in goal to go situations oh by the way fourth in the NFL in scoring that's what the Buccaneers defense is up against this week so not only is it just just kind of the NFL football gods playing games with people of, oh, your offense wants to wake up or your defense is going to fall asleep. But also this Seattle Seahawks offense is legit. And again, this isn't a week or two in. This is midway through. Like we're halfway through the season. This is an offense that's absolutely ready to fight. Yeah, I think when you look from the other side of the equation, when the Seahawks are on defense, I mean, there's a number of intriguing matchups here. And I know that the offense for the Buccaneers has not been able to get going up until the last week and there have been a number of games where they just haven't been able to get many points on the board but 
Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, if he's able to play, obviously was held out today in practice, but had rest listed there. But that trio of receivers and getting Cameron Bright back as well, getting those players out there against Seattle's secondary, to me, is the matchup to watch. And I especially want to see, it was just like last week, DeAndre Hopkins going up against rookie sensation Tariq Woolen, and Woolen did not yeah. allow a single reception when he was targeted defending Hopkins. He did give up a touchdown to Zach Ertz. That was late in the game. Kind of a tough play was put on the island. But, I mean, he shut down Nuke Hopkins. And, really, Kyler Murray very rarely even attempted to test him. That's the point we've reached with Tariq Woolen. When you have four interceptions in four games, team stopped throwing the ball your direction. And he almost (laughs) picked off Murray on the only throw he attempted when he was against Hopkins. So, will he be able to have that kind of success going against Mike Evans, who's got – a little bit different skill set, a little bit bigger body receiver, obviously, than DeAndre Hopkins is. But he's going to be going against a six-foot-four corner that runs in the four twos, and he has mm-hmm. taken those physical and athletic tools, and he has turned into a shutdown corner right in front of everybody's eyes as a rookie. I thought it was going to take him a lot of time to develop. Turns out that was not the case. They've been able to take those yeah. traits and his effort, his work ethic, and they turned him into a really good player. But – this is going to be a test for him dealing with Mike Evans on the other side. Mike Jackson, uh, he's kind of making a name for himself. There's been running jokes linking him to the singer, but this guy's a pretty good corner. He's a pretty good football player in his own right. And him yeah. going against Chris Godwin on the outside or Julio Jones, that's another really fun matchup. So really, those are the ones that I would single out, the corners against the receivers, because I think that's turning into a real strength for the Seahawks. And obviously, Tampa Bay has got a lot of talent out there, even if it hasn't translated to a lot of points this season. Absolutely. Tariq Wollin, man. I mean, he was one of the favorite guys at the senior bowl this, this last year. And I remember there was, there was a stretch there during the practices where I was sitting next to Eric Crocker, uh, locked on NFL draft, locked on 49ers, former NFL cornerback, uh, by the way. And I'm, I'm just sitting there and, I, and everything, every time I saw him do a rep, I'm like, Hey, Eric, this is what I just saw on Tariq. Did I see that right? And he's, he's, he's giving me tips and coaching me up on how to evaluate corners, but man, I love that dude. Um, out there and, and wanted the Buccaneers. I'm, I'm very happy with Zion McCollum. And I think Zion's got a very bright future for the Buccaneers as well, but definitely wanted to see Tariq Woolen wearing one of the uniforms that I cover, but super happy to hear him getting all kinds of love uh, on a weekly basis, not just on your show, but on national shows uh, as well. So very happy for him. But look uh, real quick. I'm looking at the Buccaneers rushing attack into Seahawks defense, because if the Bucks offense is going to fully wake up, that rushing attack's got to do it right now. The Bucks are 32nd in rushing but the seahawks defense 27th in rushing yards per game 25th in yards per play so perhaps this is an opportunity uh to try to get those things going rashad white uh did a little bit last week Keyshawn vaughn got his first action really uh, of the season leonard fournette not too happy about uh getting getting i don't want to say benched but not getting a whole lot of action towards the later part of the first half last week but you know what james yarko my co-host pointed out that angry lenny sometimes is the best Lenny. Yeah, I think that's an intriguing matchup in itself with Seattle's front line. The last four games, they've had some issues with Kyler Murray breaking off some big runs, but you take those out of the equation, the run defense has taken a complete 180 in the last four games. And that's kind of been what has spearheaded their turnaround as a whole on the defensive side of the football. They've really been shutting down running backs the last four games after the first five games, getting gashed by teams. And maybe he's going to be one of those something's got to give type propositions. You know, the Seahawks still don't rank well, as you mentioned, in run defense, but they've been playing much better. Tampa Bay is yet to have that breakout game, and they're looking for it. And that's going to be key for them to be able to move the ball and score points against this much improved Seahawks defense. A lot to look at. And if you guys out there think that you know what's going to happen, 
Perhaps you're going to agree with us. We're going to say what we think is going to happen here in a second. But you can turn your opinions and your expertise into cold hard cash with our friends at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all your latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. As of November 8th, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, 20 to 1 odds to be the NFL's MVP, while Tom Brady is sitting at 100 to 1 odds to be the MVP. And Aaron Rodgers, the back to back MVP coming this season, well, uh, save your money. That's not going very well. And if you love sports podcasts just like these, you can find those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. Prediction time here on this crossover Thursday episode. Locked on Seahawks, locked on Bucks. Seahawks at Buccaneers. It's in Munich, Germany, but it's still a home game for the Buccaneers officially. Uh, Seattle Seahawks six and three. Tampa Bay Buccaneers four and five. A matchup of first place teams, each of them leading their divisions. One division a little bit better than the others. Uh, Corbin the Seahawks have scored nearly eighty points more this season than the Buccaneers have. Wow. Uh, but they've also surrendered about 60 points more. But I think that's going to kind of happen when you're scoring as much. Still, the Buccaneers are favored by three points. How do you see this thing going down? What do you think about that line? You know, I maybe I'm going to get snake bitten here because Tom Brady's the quarterback on the other side. But I'm not sure what they are basing that line off of. I think the mm-hmm. Seahawks should be the favorites. And I would actually go above three points in this game because I haven't seen a Tampa Bay offense that has been able to get much going in any capacity. And I can tell you this, if Tom Brady has to drop back and throw 50-plus times in this game with the way the pass rush is getting after quarterbacks the last four games for the Seahawks, uh, it could be a very long day for Tom Brady in Munich. And so I'm not going to give a score prediction at this juncture. I'll be doing that on my Friday show, but I will just say this. Uh, If that's the the betting line, uh, I would completely go that it's going to be swinging towards the Seahawks on that one because I just don't see the Buccaneers as a three-point favorite in this matchup at all, Uh, especially especially with them being four and five, Seattle six and three. I think one team has been much better on both sides of the ball than the other one. We know that things can be different any given Sunday, though, so obviously the Buccaneers have championship pedigree and they could bring it. I would just think that this this betting line, to me, is a little bit of a head-scratcher given where both teams are trending right now. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I looked it up for this episode, I was a little surprised myself to see that the Bucs were favored uh, by three. Look, the bottom line is the Seahawks have scored 27 or more points in each of their last three games. Corbin, you talked about the, that run that they've made, and they scored 23 or more in six of their last nine. The Bucs have scored 23 or more points once all year. And they lost that game. Seems to me the Seahawks should be three-point favorites. You said maybe even more. I'm going to make my score prediction here. James Yark will be making his on our Friday episode. I'm going the other way. I think 23 points is kind of the the, the floor for the Seahawks, maybe even the ceiling for the Bucs. I got the Seahawks going 23. And because I feel like the Seahawks should probably be three-point favorites here instead of the Bucs, I got the Bucs going 20. So 23-20, Buccaneers lose this one. That is my prediction. Not going to make my listeners and viewers happy, but – Hopefully they like me because I'm always honest with them. So Corbin, looking at this game, I think the Buccaneers offense has got to be the main storyline for Tampa Bay, whether or not there was an awakening awakening there at the end of the Los Angeles Rams game, or if we're just going to see more of what we've seen all season long 
going up against a very tough Seattle Seahawks team. And then that Bucks defense versus that Seahawks offense, not just because this is the perfect time for a collapse, but also because that Seahawks offense is very good uh, in their own right. I feel like people keep saying that the Seahawks offense is very good in their own right, but I feel like they deserve the right to not have that kind of qualifier there at the end be added on. So it's kind of a weird situation. Then again, like I said, just a minute ago, I think the Bucks lose this game right now, 23 to 20 to the Seahawks until I see the awakening. I just can't get on board with saying that that is the moment. I feel like when we try to predict the turning point in the championship season or championship caliber season that we struggle that I think it's always hindsight that you see those things. So the fact that everybody's kind of going, aha, that's going to be the turning point means it's probably not going to be the turning point. <laughs> well, I can tell you Seahawks fans are hoping that that is the case and that it doesn't end up being that turning point. But, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I think this game boils down to two things for the Seahawks. Can they limit those explosive plays to the receiving talent that the Buccaneers have? Can the secondary yeah. continue to do a good job taking away those explosives? Because that's really been key these last four weeks with their defense playing the way they are. They've given up a few big plays, but they've really cut down on those compared to the first five games of the season, both run and pass defense-wise. And on offense, I really look at Vita Vea as the key here for the Buccaneers on defense because he is that guy that can single-handedly disrupt a run and passing game with his ability to get into the backfield. The Seahawks have to find a way to neutralize him, whether that means they're mixing in some double teams, they're keeping running backs in the backfield to step up and just try to help chip on him. I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking, but that needs to be priority number one. I feel like if they can contain him to an extent that this is a Bucks defense that they can run the football on. It doesn't feel like past Buck defenses for the last two years where they were so dominant defending the run and they didn't have to deal with very many backs running the ball the way that Ken Walker the third is right now. And so it really boils down to that interior offensive line for the Seahawks. Can they at least stalemate the line of scrimmage most of the game? If they're able to do that with the weapons they've got, you got to believe they're going to be able to put some points on the board as they have all season. But if you don't stop the big fella in the middle, uh, you might have your toughest game that you've had at this point and not really be able to get any traction going on a run game or passing game. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it. Seahawks fans, Bucks fans, There, there's uh, our, our crossover enemy intel type of of episode for you so as always thank you for making the locked on bucks and locked on seahawks podcast your first choice every single day for your second listen again make sure you check out locked on sports today from the games that matter and the biggest storylines in sports go beyond the scoreboard behind the scenes with local experts with insight and the only locked on can provide locked on sports today available here on this app youtube or wherever you get your podcast we're gonna be back in corbin's gonna be making his score prediction tomorrow so make sure you come back uh, and find that Bucks fans. Make sure you check that out and leave him all the hate mail you can. As much, as much hate mail as you're going to give me for picking the Seahawks, go give him just as much as I'm pretty sure he's picking the Seahawks too. For Corbin Smith, I'm David Harris. Until we speak again, make sure you're checking out everything we're writing at Bucks Game Day and all Seahawks. Like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube or your podcast catcher. Choice of the Lockdown Seahawks and the Lockdown Podcast. And of course, follow us both on Twitter. Corbin's at Corbin Smith NFL. I am at D Harrison 82. If you're out about, please be safe. Be kind to one another. Enjoy the game. Thank you for joining us on this crossover Thursday episode of Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team.